The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome once again to It Came From The Radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me once again, as always, via social distancing. We have none other than our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Hey, everyone. We have Dominic Definition Man, Pronto Comics, uh, Dominic Definition Man Serrano from Pronto Comics. Uh, well, of all the introductions I've ever had, that is certainly the most recent. <laughs> and it's we so have- nice he said it twice. There you go. <laughs> And we have, wait, I got to pull this up because I have the information. And we have fraudulent Russian psychic Guru Poo Poo here with us. <laughs> well, hello there. How are you all doing today? <laughs> Boy, so, <laughs> so this week's show, we're going, we're going to have um, Dominic Definition Man Sperano from Pronto Comics is going to have his uh, comic book pick of the week. And I have an interview with comic book writer slash author Frank Martin. But before we get to any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's Morphin Time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of celebrating over 25 years of comicness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention, which, if all things are going well, will be on May 1st and May 2nd. Yeah, that's going to happen. That's funny, too. Did you plan that? No. No. (laughs) That's just common sense to say that. In the words of Tyler Durden, we're we're polishing the brass on the Titanic, man. It's all going down. (laughs) And I also want to give out shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous, Dresden Media, Unji Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and The Huracan, which is a convention in a church in Long Island. If you Bless want, that convention. If you want your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com. Yes, it is in a church. Um, and look up It Came From The Radio in the search bar, and just for a measly dollar, you can get your own little shout-out on our show. But now, um, fraudulent Russian psychic Guru Poo is going to take it away with the news. Where am I taking it, though? I, I don't know. Okay, I, I'll, I'll read some news for all of you at home. Oh, sad news, so sad. A professional wrestler, Joseph Michael Laurinaitis. Am I getting his name right, everyone? I think you are. Right. Better no known. Joseph Michael Laurinaitis, RIP. Better known by his ring name, Road Warrior Animal, died recently ah. of natural causes. Along with Road Warrior Hawk, he was one half of the tag team, the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom. He headlined multiple pay-per-view events for the WWF and WCW. Of note, Joseph was inducted with Hawk and their manager, Paul Ellering, into the WWE Hall of Fame 2011. He was only 60 years old. For a second, I thought you were going to say he was with the Hoth. (laughs) That's a completely different character. 
You don't hassle sorry, the hop, man. Not my first language, so I get caught in my mouth sometimes. Charlie, you were a big time uh, wrestling fan, right? Or no? You hanged out with a couple of the guys in, back in the day. Yes, I did. Did you know uh, John uh, Laurinaitis? No, I did not. <laughs> okay. I have well, nothing else for you. I'm sorry to hear he's not with us anymore, but I did not know the gentleman. All right. My question is, how do you, what was it, 60? He died at 60? Yeah, 60. Yes, oh, yeah. natural causes what? at 60? Like, I don't think you get natural causes at 60. I don't think that happens. It's like, well, he was just really old. Although 60 for a wrestler is almost like 100 for a normal human being. So, Of all the but, stuff they go through, yeah. Yeah, but natural causes. Was, uh, like, was he uh, juicing? Probably, yeah, was, they all yeah. juice. They were yeah. all juicing. I, I would Maybe go. Maybe it was his time in life. We'd all have our times to die. I would, yeah. I would go with my um, memory of uh, the movie... Uh, Repossessed, starring Leslie Nielsen and, Liz, and, <laughs> and um, Linda Blair. There yes. was a part in there that they had um, just mean, mean Gene Oakland interviewing uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, I believe, or, or yeah. somebody. And they were like, um, oh, they're not going to use steroids anymore. And they go, or any less. <laughs> <laughs> just the same amount. Yeah. Well, that is fair. It's good to be honest. So what yeah. else do you have there? Uh, oh, they know from the virtual sequel department, after 25 years streaming exclusively on Netflix YouTube channel and Facebook page, the cast from the film Father of the Bride reunited on screen for Father of the Bride Part 3-ish. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the film, which was a remake of the 1950 original movie of the same name, which tells the story of George Banks, played by Steve Martin, uh, coming to terms with his daughter, Annie, played by Kimberly Williams Paisley, getting married and moving out. The reunion, introduced by Reese Witherspoon, was to benefit the World Central Kitchen, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing meals to communities affected by disasters, such as the coronavirus pandemic. You might have heard of such thing. In the new story, George's son, Matty, played by Kieran Culkin, has called for a special wedding announcement with the rest of the family gathered for a Zoom call. Along with Steve Martin and the other aforementioned actors, Diane Keaton, who played his wife, George Newburn, Martin Short, Ben Platt, and Florence Pook reprise their roles from the previous film. Robert De Niro joins the cast as Matthew's new father-in-law. Welcome to Babylon. That's a line from, line from the second film, guys. Oh, I've never seen any of them. I'm, yeah. I'm actually with Mark on this one. I've not seen either of them. Yeah, um, two movies. If, yeah, you, sure. if you have a daughter, you watch them. I watched them. So are you going to go see the uh, part That's fair. now? Um, no, I am not, Conrad. That is it. <laughs> I am done with that. <laughs> It's, it's this, is called, this is what is called beating the dead horse. And Robert De Niro plays himself, the quintessential intimidating father-in-law. It's like he's the George Costanza of father-in-laws. Oh, you find oh. George Costanza intimidating? No, no, no. But like George Costanza, <laughs> Jason Alexander has been typecasted as George Costanza. Oh. And now we have De Niro again okay. <laughs> playing a intimidating father-in-law. What else is new, you know? 
I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What I understand a, what you mean there. Yeah. What a stretch from uh, Serenity from now. Yeah. Yeah. The typecasting. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, he was just so good playing George Costanza. No one can see him doing anything else. Yeah. Which is the same because he's very talented. <clears throat> Excellent song and dance man. Oh, yes. Very, very Mr. Broadway. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mark, would you like to read the, the rest of the news? I feel like the audience might have a hard time understanding me. <laughs> sure. Donald, you are doing just fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel confident in America. You, 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 didn't, you didn't predict this happening? Uh, well, I guess just why you're a fake uh, guru, right? A fake psychic. Fraudulent psychic. Well, you know, when people can read my lips in person, there's understanding. But on radio, there might be a little of English gap. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Conrad, if you are the medium, I am the extra large. <laughs> yes, you are. You're getting smaller. I hear you on Life with Genergy plan. You might be shrinking. I did not mean it. I, I missed the button right now. Right now, as I wish, wish we had the button. Um, <clears throat> moving on from <laughs> the... <laughs> we all wish we had a button. From the holy radio show Batman department, writer... <laughs> Writer David S. Goyer has announced Batman Unburied, a new oh, podcast Goya, it's drama. Goya. <laughs> new podcast drama exploring <clears throat> the darker aspects of Bruce Wayne to debut exclusively on Spotify in 2021. By so, darker aspects, they mean Batman. Yes. <laughs> Does so, it get any? What other dark aspects of Bruce Wayne are there? Uh, the race war that's currently going on. Ooh. Uh, for those of you not paying attention... Did you give us notes to keep out of politics, Mark? Yes. It's not politics, it's color of skin. For those of you not paying attention... The, the views and opinions David. of the show do not necessarily reflect this radio station. Um, for those of you not I paying like attention, David penned the story of 2005 Batman Begins and was a writer for two other films in the Dark Knight trilogy, as well as being co-writing uh, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and he also wrote Man of Steel. Uh, David says, <clears throat> I've been a fan of narrative podcasts for some time and was looking for the right story. Returning to the Batman seems like the perfect opportunity. We'll be using this unique advantages of audio to dig in the more nightmarish members of the Dark Knight's rogues gallery. Oh, there you go. Um, executives say, we can think of no better leader to leverage the infinite possibilities of podcasting to bring us nearly 300 million Spotify users around the world for the Batman saga for the ages. Now, that was David. The other ones were the executives. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I mean... Would I don't know if I want to hear a, a Batman radio serial. Like I think I have enough Batman as it is. Um, I'm Batman, damn it. Yeah, I'm Gumby, damn it. Uh, yes. <laughs> if they're going, like, if it's going to be a serial, like, episodic thing, then the instant go-to card to make it successful is to get Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill involved. If they do that everyone is okay with it. If they don't do that, then there's no point. Hmm. All right. Uh, Come on. Would, if you yeah. knew that Kevin Conroy was going to be voicing Batman, you'd I, listen. I, I, would, I would be intrigued to listen, yes. And um, especially, and if you heard Mark Hamill will do the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, if, yeah. You get, if you get pretty much the animated series cast, because most of those vo voice actors are still around. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of Renee, um, basically Odo. And, right. uh, 
but pretty much everyone else, I think, uh, and, and the guy who played the Mad Hatter. I know my friend Zimbalist Jr. Alfred. I think he also passed away. Yeah, but but, it, but generally it, speaking, yeah, I if, get so point. long as you have you know Conroy Hamill, Clancy Brown, you're pretty good. I think uh, yes, I think they have. To, so so on your point is they have to get the right voice cast, otherwise it's not worth it. Good thing. Yeah, and there's only one right voice cast. <laughs> It's too um, bad that what Andrea Romano uh, retired last year, right? Yes, yes, yes. Because she'd be the person to put this thing together. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, moving on. I think you've never agreed with me so much. That's true. Hey, when you're the right, you're story. right. <laughs> I mean, um, the, whole, the whole thing that's exciting about Batman is seeing men run around in tights. So an audio lacking the visuals, no thank you. Well, 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 Guru Poopoo, you can imagine it yourself, them running around in tights. I like that you're kind of not for a radio program as we're on a radio program. Well, I did not ask to be here. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm doing Mark <laughs> favor today. Uh, come on. Radio? I like the visuals. I need some eye candy, you know? I right. can't leave everything is, up to imagination. Radio is theater of the mind. I That's don't, the whole I, concept. My mind is tired. I've been around for 500 years. Give me some <laughs> eye candy, Okay. You're looking great for 500 years. Moving, Thank you very much. Moving on. I know. From the <clears throat> so be, be Thankful More for Nostalgia Department, Peacock, which is NBC's streaming service, has finally announced the premiere date for its Save by the Bell revival, which is November 25th, just in time for Thanksgiving. And the new show, <clears throat> California Governor Zach Morris, getting into hot whoa, water. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Whoa! Yes, Zach Morris is the governor of California. Yes, apparently according to the this? according to the show. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, governor, <laughs> I think they've already jumped the shark. <laughs> governor what Zach is, Morris. What is what is Screech the president? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's no yeah. Screech in this. Um, no Screech in this. I'm no. already no. I'm already done. Uh, California. Oh, that's it. It's over. California. We actually uh, you met uh, Screech, right, uh, Charlie? Yes, I did. Believe it or not, <laughs> they tried yeah. me very Is there at least AC Slater? He was Slater? very. He he was very non-screeches. He was like very. <laughs> no, you know, his, his voice is very normal, actually. No, no, no. But he was like not even a happy guy. He was very serious, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah no, he's, not, he's he, not exactly a nice guy. <laughs> from what I heard. You know, he's, he's done some deplorable <laughs> acts. <laughs> no, right. no, no, I'm not saying he was bad. I mean, he was just very serious, that's all. And everybody's looking for the screech that's running around being an idiot. And uh, he's he, not he, that. He's not running around nor an idiot. Good. All yeah. right. That's, let's that's a, let's, let's a, keep it there. It's a ringing endorsement <laughs> of the man. Very good. Um, anyway, the show is about. You know what? Yes. He's not coming over for dinner tonight anyway. Who cares? <laughs> um, the show is about Zach Morris getting into hot water for closing too many underfunded high schools and proposes that they send the affected students to the most well-funded school in the state, which is Bayside High. Uh, the influx of the new students give the privileged Bayside kids who never had a problem that can't be solved in 22 minutes a much-needed dose of reality. Um, original cast members, Elizabeth Berkeley, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> She got married. Uh, Mario Lopez and Mark Paul Gossett will be reprising their roles as Jesse Spano, A.C. Slater, and Zach Morris, respectively. Tiffany Thiessen just like, not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I got yeah. my white-collar money. I don't need anything from you guys. I have a yeah. show on Food Network. I don't need this. Yeah. I, 
I think, um, well, what's his name is doing Access Hollywood? I, I think he's still doing Mario Access. Lopez. Yeah. Yeah. But he's yeah. executive producer. Him and uh, Elizabeth Berkeley are, are all executive really? producers. Yeah, it's it's, it's their really? show, so it's going to be interesting to see. I would have thought Mark Paul Gosler would have been an executive producer. He's had more, you know, active uh. acting roles. I thought he'd be more involved. What's interesting is that the show was announced. He was not announced. He, when interviewed, he said they didn't ask him, and then he got added in later. So. So he shamed uh, them essentially. Mar- like... Mar- Mario Lopez says that he didn't think that they could have afforded him. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Wow. Of all of the three of them, and pretty much <clears throat> everyone else that was in that cast, Mark Paul Gosler is the only one who's been acting consistently since the show. Yeah. And I mean, like, been in multiple shows over a series of times. Right. He's, he's done a lot. So his, he probably his asking price is higher than everyone else's. So you are. So once again, Dominic, yeah. you are correct. They guilted him into it. They guilted him into either that or they were able to cough up the money. <laughs> no, I don't think they. Or maybe what? maybe he, now he's not working because of COVID. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I, I need what, that money. What has Elizabeth been doing? The last time I saw her, she was sliding down a pole. Oh man, she really hasn't done much since that. Since that, she had Is a book. Yeah. She had a book she out, re- and she's done a couple of other things, and she's been on um, Titus, and yeah, she's been around. She's been, she's been around. around. Okay. Titus. So, <laughs> so Titus wasn't that in the two thousands? <laughs> So you basically, <laughs> basically say the, the the lady has not acted in like fifteen years. Oh man! There you go. So, Guru Poopoo, you've been around for five hundred years. Are you a fan of Saved by the Bell? I I did like the Saved by the Bell. I like the Jesse Spanel. Uh, she's like, oh, I'm so tired. She goes, I'm mean, so so tired. You remember you that she was, scene? She was addicted to caffeine pills. I think that's how the show should start off. Like she goes, I'm so tired, and she slides down pole, and then boom, <laughs> Maria Lopez says, "Okay, everybody, today," and he announces some crazy thing that we don't care about. I think that's how it should start. <laughs> you know what? I've heard worse plans for a series. Uh-huh. Let's face it, she's tired. <laughs> that's it. see, she's kaput. Moving along, <clears throat> from the. You hired a guy to imitate the other guy department. Um, recently, the first episode of the 32nd season, 32nd season of The Simpsons aired with the debut of Alex Desaire as the new voice of Carl Carlson due to the new mandate that only black actors will be voicing black characters on the series. Carl, um. Carl was previously voiced by non-black actor Hank Azaria. Uh, what's interesting to note is that the voice sounds like a really good imitation of the old voice. So instead of them making a new black character and having a black actor voice that character, they yes. got rid of one guy, replaced him, who's doing exact imitation of the other guy. That makes no sense well, to me. Now, First well, of all, none of this makes a sense. Double, double standard that he's doing a voice of another guy <laughs> that's a different race. Isn't that like sort of a double standard? So it's a black guy imitating a white guy doing a black You're guy's a black voice. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, when uh, they do more, they do when they didn't want the white guy to imitate a black voice, and wow. I'm the dude pretending to be a dude who's playing another dude. Uh, and here's a question. What are they st- uh, is Apu completely out of the show now? Um, they, as, of, as of right now, um, they haven't uh, cast a new person in the voice, and so far the character has appeared, but only like in background with no dialogue since uh, whatever. Just going. hire Cal Penn. That's like, you know what that's like? That's like to reboot white chicks and have white girls playing them. Have white girls <laughs> in blackface playing white girls. That's what yeah. it would be like. Yeah. That's essentially that what it would great. be. 
The <laughs> they could have Parasol then go in blackface, take off blackface to be herself. Yeah, that's essentially. <laughs> it's that would be the opposite mirror reflection of this. I mean, yes. I do understand what they're trying to do, but I still say I think they're going about it the wrong way. Yeah, of course they're going about it the wrong way. Nice <laughs> yeah. to bring up a political topic, by the way, Mark. Good job. Well, yeah. it was in the news about <laughs> The Simpsons, so it, it falls in the falls in a play. Um, yeah, I was, the Simpsons was... the news. <laughs> That's true. I'm just uh, I'm yeah. very confused because well, first of all, like yeah, they took another voice away from Hank Azaria, so now instead of doing about twenty voices, he's doing eighteen voices. I don't think this affects his check very much. Right. I, I, doubt, I doubt they paid him by the voice. I think they just paid him in for a chunk of work. Right. The whole beauty of any animated series, especially The Simpsons, is that you can have a thousand characters voiced by five people. Yeah. And I, that, was, <laughs> that was the point. You know, yeah. like we have these people that can do like 10 voices a piece so we can have them, you know, keep the costs low on the voice talent and have numerous characters. And now they're like, no, no, no. Every single character has to have a voice that is according to representation of represent, representational. It's like, well, the, what's the point? Wow. Let's just go live action. <laughs> they, and they you, and have... what, I think they should just take voice acting out altogether because doing any type of voice is kind of offensive because you're pretending to be something you're not and you could perhaps be taking somebody else's job. In the well, it's a good thing you're an actual 500-year-old fraudulent yeah. psychic group. Exactly. I would take what? offense if somebody did my voice, so... What they should do is go back to just like doing it like an old-fashioned silent movie the entire time. But the words at the bottom? There are no voices. You're just reading text. And that way you can imagine the voice any way you wish. All right. So let's see. For the the final bit of news, uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of, uh, actually, no, uh, here it is. From the What Would Brian Boitano Do department, uh, NFL's (laughs) Denver Broncos who hosted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, filled the empty seats with cardboard cutouts of all the characters from the TV show South Park, which is based in Colorado. Uh, The thing was to promote a uh, super hour-long South Park pandemic special airing on Comedy Central, which aired, I believe, it was yesterday. As of this recording, it is the 1st of October. Uh, The episode is described as, Randy comes to terms with his role in the COVID-19 outbreak as the ongoing pandemic presents continued challenges to the citizens of South Park. The kids happily head back to school, but nothing resembles the normal that they once knew. Not their teachers, not their home, not even Eric Cartman. Uh, by the way, there were 1,800 characters filling out the 76,125 uh, seat capacity of the stadium, and each of the characters was wearing a mask. I'm glad that the, uh, that the cardboard cutouts are <laughs> respecting the proper CDC guidelines. <laughs> did that is did a good anybody, thing. speaking about that, yes, cardboard cutouts, did uh, from the speaking of the cardboard cutouts? Uh, it's department. a segue. Um, yeah. Did you did you ever see by accident? I was channel surfing, and I caught SmackDown. They actually have monitors in the seats of people, live video of people cheering and yes, and go, yes. yeah, yeah. It is, yeah, it oh is such a weird. I was that I would other... say how. Uh, really? I know. Really? I was out Friday night and the Yankees game was on at the bar I was at. And it's just like there are moments where you don't realize there's no crowd because they're doing you know close up of the batters or something. But then they do a wide shot and you're like, this is just bizarre. It is yeah. so bizarre to just see empty stands while this is happening. 
it's so, like uh, it's like the apocalypse and only the athletes survived you yeah know? A bit. It, it does yeah. make me wonder like obviously they're doing it because they're getting some sort of contract through television but having these games without having any audience how is it saving money for the stadiums is it costing them money i don't really know I'm sure it's that, costing now you don't have the staff, but <clears throat> well, you really only have to have the same amount of staff than saving them when they were doing um, warm-ups and training. So, right, except for they the don't have to pay and whatnot. Or, yeah. but is the camera crew provided by the networks? I don't Ooh, know. That's a good point. I don't actually. Someone who worked at ABC, Charlie, do you know if the camera well, crews are provided or not? You know, they they have to be. That has to be treated as a remote. Um, what I would think they're doing is I think instead of using people on the staff, mm -hmm. uh, they're either, they're either going to be in one town or they're using locals. Okay. Right. They, they might use locals because I don't think it's going to be safe for those cameramen to fly from state to state. So, so you're saying like it's going to be provided for them that they don't have to pay I think, for their own I cameraman. Think, I think they will be like maybe provided. Remember, it's a union. Right. So anybody who's on that camera has to be in NABIT or whatever whatever union they're in. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's whatever town they're using the locals. That's just a wild guess. That's what I would do because I'm the one who sent everybody out to uh, – the sporting events, all right. You know, so, Monday night football and stuff like that. So I, I think it's a valid query. Like, are they making money or saving money or losing money because they can't I don't have know. any people in the stands? Right, and and that's was a big question for me. How are they even paying anybody? Right. You know, how are they paying salaries? Advertisers, I would say. Advertisers. Well, advertising, you just, yeah. I hate, I hate I mean, to break this conversation up, but we're almost out of time. We're, the time okay. my, my thing is running down. I see it right now. It's running down. So we're almost out of time. So we have to do a quick final thought, and then we have to take our break. So, uh, Charlie, final thought? I'm thinking if they did that voice thing, what a bad break from Mel Blank. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic, he did thought? every. He did it every voice. Go ahead, Don. Dominic, final thought? 99% uh, of mediums and psychics are false, with the exception of the one that's on the show today. Guru Poopoo, final thought? Thank you very much. I think it's quite ironic that they want to fill the stands with people who are sitting. Why well, would call it the stands if you were going to sit there? All right. So what's that? We drive on parkways to... and park on driveways. <laughs> doesn't make sense. It was all backwards. So with that, we're going to take our break. We'll be right back with It Came From The Radio. I'm not coming back. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Christopher. I had played Hawk on Buck Rogers on the 25th century, and you are listening to It Came From Radio. New comics are back at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. And now get ready for Joker War from DC Comics. 
Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 7, Thursday from 2 to 7, Friday from 2 to 7, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel, DC, Image, or Independent Comics, comic book supplies, back issues, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for all the details. Thank you and stay safe. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to a Came From Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Toyer, speaking. I am pleased to be uh, virtually socially distancing with my interviewee today, uh, writer Frank Martin. Hey, what's up, Mark? How you doing? I am. I'm, I'm hanging in there. The pandemic is just kicking us uh, hard, but I'm still keeping on moving on. Yeah, and I, we're, we're trucking over here in New York. I think we're, we're trying to roll with the punches. So um, I actually met you in... The Big Apple Christmas Con, right? Last yes. year? Yes. This is almost. <laughs> yeah, it was in December, like December 20th or something like that. So um, you had a, a, a nice plethora of books and stuff. And I was like, this guy seems cool. It so does, let's, yeah. just, <laughs> let's just run down a quick couple of things of uh, what you are most famous for and what you are most proud of. And then let's talk about what you're promoting now. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, well, I am a, a comic book writer and an author. I write both in prose and comics. I have a, a couple different novels out. I like to bounce around between genres. So I got some sci-fi. I got some uh, some monster books, some zombie books. Um, on the that's on the prose side. On the on the the comic side, I'm probably best known for a urban fantasy anthology series I did called Modern Testament where I wrote, it's pretty much like an angels, demons, kind of John Constantine, Lucifer, Ghost Rider kind of flair. And I wrote a whole bunch of short short comics, but between like five and 12 pages, a whole, whole different art teams. And I compiled them all together into a, a big trade of like 15 stories. So that's kind of my best known work on that side. Now, from since you write, since you write, write and write comics, because for some reason people always differentiate the two. I mean, it is writing; it's all writing. You're creating. Mm-hmm. Do you find it a different process when you're working from one? I guess it's not even a different medium from one to the other. I would say um, it depends on what what part you, the nitty gritty of what you want to talk about. As far as what a story is concerned, I mean, a story is a story, whether or not it's. It's a, a movie or a play or a book or a comic book. But as far as executing that idea, like the actual logistics of putting yeah, like, it down. Like how do you approach it? Exactly. There's, there's the fundamentals of, of creating that story is, is night and day. They're completely different. So, um, yeah, the process as a, as a comic book writer, you have to accept the fact that you are not the, the avatar for which the reader absorbs the story. I mean, you're, you're basically writing a script for an artist and the, the art is always going to come first. You have to understand that and you have to trust your artist. Whereas when you're writing a novel, when you're writing in prose, you have a direct shot to the reader. It's all on your shoulders and whatever words you're putting down on paper, they're actually going to see. So it's, it's a totally different headspace you have to be in. So by the same logic, when you're dictating what you're going to write to the artist, do you use that same mentality when you're trying to paint a visual picture when you're writing in prose? Yeah, I mean, it depends on, on the relationship you have with the artist. Sometimes you'll write a script 
and you don't have an artist in mind, you're kind of just writing it on spec and you're going to go find the art team afterwards. Uh, a lot of other times you have an artist in mind or you're developing a project together and you've worked on the idea together. So in that case, it's more like a conversation. You know, you're talking directly to this artist who you know, who you're friendly with, your friend. You might put inside jokes in the script, you know, st <laughs> stuff that you can really connect with them and really and, and make this a uh, back and forth between you rather than like very formulaic do this and do that where if you might not know, know who's going to be reading it on the other side. So it kind of goes along the lines of like you were mentioning earlier like writing a script for a movie where the the sum of the parts is greater than than the than the finished product. Yeah, exactly. When when it comes to comic book creation, it's a real collaborative medium between um, if you have a, a penciler, you, you're going to have an inker go over their pencils, and then the colorist can really bring the colors to life. And even the letterer. The letterer's job is immensely important as far as putting the final touches on the book and really making it look professional. And I, I learned how to lettering, letter a couple of years ago. I letter some of my own projects. And, you, and when it comes to comics, you don't really realize how important lettering is until you do it yourself because it's – it's, it's the one art form that's the most successful, the least it gets noticed, you know? So it's, it's really underappreciated. It's kind of like editing. Like they say, you can't tell uh, good editing, but you can really tell bad editing. It's, it's exactly, exactly. It stands out completely, and you know, like, this guy did an awful job. But <laughs> it, when it's good, you, you, go, you read it, and you're like, it's just it's seamless, you know? It's just part of the story. So do you find it more stressful? Because when you're writing in prose, it's all on you. I, I, stressful is not the right word. I I mean, yeah, it's it's more burdensome. It's more responsibility, but it's also it's a lot. It's a lot more empowering. You know, it's it's you you really have the strength to to really attack the reader. Uh, not attack the reader, but <laughs> but 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 have a, a direct connection to the reader so that so that they see the words that are coming out of your head and you can you're really responsible for filling out this picture for them developing the scenery it's it's yeah it's 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 a lot you you feel more in the driver's seat as far as when you're telling a story than if you than if you have a whole team that you're working with not that one is necessarily better than the other it's just that they're they're different forms of storytelling so have you ever thought about taking one and putting it in the other form uh, as far as what, like a story, like adapting yeah, like is if, concerned? Yeah, if you adapt the story to a comic book that you write yourself or take a comic book and turn it into a novelization but, of the comic yeah, book. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, we see adaptations all the time. We see books become movies, and we see movies become comics. And and although, like I said before, the story, t the story, the aspects of a story, what makes a good story, are universal throughout, but the execution is what matters. So we see a, all the time, we see an, a, a comic book being adapted on the screen, and you can see stuff that they've changed and stuff that they kept the same, and you really, it's really a judgment call between the creator as far as what works and what doesn't work, what you're going to keep, what you're going to throw out, and yeah, anything can be adapted under the, the right pretenses. It's just, it's a balancing act as far as getting it right. So, what is your? I know you're doing a Kickstarter right now, right? I am. Yes, yes. So let's. What is that particular story about? So that's a. It's kind of a horror one shot. It's kind of a. It's. It, I would say it's more spooky, bizarre, weird horror as opposed as, as opposed to like gory, scary horror. And the the general premise is something I think a lot of people can relate to. A guy is tired after a long drive, and he wants to pull over and stay the night at a at a motel. 
and it turns out that this motel is kind of weird and freaky and it slowly gets weirder and freakier until the guy's like i want to i gotta get out of there but the the bizarre guests that he meet there aren't too keen on letting him leave so based on that i mean i did read it so it's kind of cool um is that something that has happened to you and you're you're sitting there in the hotel room like hmm i wonder if this is going on here i wonder if that's going on there because they always say right where you know i wouldn't say it's based on a true story but i think i think we've all had situations it doesn't even have to be a motel it just could be some place where we find ourselves where you you know something's not right but you can't just put your finger on exactly what it is you know and I kind of took that idea, that notion, that feeling that we all could relate to, and I kind of just blew it up and took it into the extreme where, um, in this case, the, the main character, he senses something's not right. It's kind of weird, and he goes along with it, and then it just takes a sharp, sharp dive off the deep end, So, and he's kind of caught in the middle of it. It has a very um, Twilight Zone feel to it. Yeah, it's definitely what I, I was going for, what I was, the feel that I wanted to, to bring to it, like Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or even Tales of the Crypt, you know, where ah, you're, yes. <laughs> when you're, you're put through the eyes of, of a protagonist, a main character who you can relate to, and, and the, the, it starts to slowly snowball where things just get worse and worse and creepier and creeper and bizarre until it crosses that threshold where people go all right this is it i need to get out of here you know that that one moment where people are just like all right this is too much for me <laughs> so um as as a as a fellow writer um i've talked to many other writers and the one thing about writing is that you write a lot more than what actually appears on the page so how much backstory did you give to all these different characters because they seem like they each one has a story of their own to tell i I came up with a lot in my head. I don't think I've actually put a lot of writers do that. They'll write character bios, you know, for each character and they'll, they'll describe their likes and their dislikes and their hobbies and what like they like to do on the night off. I didn't go that much in depth, <laughs> but I had something in mind. And with a lot of, with this story in particular, I, I left a lot of it open because I'm a big fan of not explaining every single little detail of a story, leaving a lot open to interpretation and letting the reader kind of fill in a lot of the blanks on their own. But I think it's an important balance, which I feel that you did, to not have it too open because like sometimes you watch something and you get to the end and you're like, what the hell was that? And the guy says, well, it's up to your imagination. Like, no, <laughs> it's, it's your job to tell me the story. It's a, it's a hundred, <laughs> it's a hundred percent balance the balance is a very perfect word you want to leave just enough for that for their own imagination to fill a lot of the blanks and for them to come away with their own feelings but you won't, don't want to leave it too much so that they're left unfulfilled you know and a lot of times especially with this story uh there's like a couple of nagging questions that i that i answered let's say in like a throwaway line of dialogue where right. if somebody's reading on their second go around, they'll be like, okay, that was the question I had at the end of the book. And now it's been answered. Now in this, now in the second read through, I can, I notice a lot more. So it's, um, yeah, I have a lot of fun doing stuff like that, you know, with little, little Easter eggs here and there tidbits as far as the backstory. So because you, you've done so many short stories, do you find that it's easier to put that into a comic book form? Because 22 pages nowadays is not that much. I mean, in the old days, you can tell so much story because of the dialogue in the old comics books. But now it feels like 22 uh, pages is not enough to tell any type of story. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been a shift in the medium. A lot of people are telling longer form stories. Uh, but I, I, I like it all, man. Short stories, one shots, uh, multiple, 
uh, story arcs with multiple issues. It all depends on what your flavor's for. And, and for this particular one, I think it was, it was just the right length. Sometimes people ask me if I think uh, of continuing it, if, um, if, if people wanted more. And I'm, I'm always open to everything. I never say no on anything. But as far as, as this is concerned, I think I, I'm going to leave this particular story as, as just a, a one and done. And that's also important. It's beginning, middle, end. It is a full story in the book. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, uh, you have a story that's only one issue and there's five more issues to go. And then the other issues never get made or there's problems. I mean, that happens with the biggest companies all the way down to the independents. Yeah. And it's much harder for independent. I think, I think most uh, newbie comic creators are guilty of this, myself included. The very first comic I ever wanted to work on, I, I had a awesome superhero story i mean it's not awesome but i thought it was awesome and i loved it and i i um i wrote out all six issues and i'm like let's get started on the first one and you you try to uh run before you can walk you know you don't really know how how to make a comic book and here you are trying to make this big saga and you got to start small and eventually when that fell apart i focused on the, the short stories which i eventually compiled into that anthology modern testament and you gotta you really got to take your lumps got to learn the ropes and that's why especially when it comes to comics starting small is is the key so uh, starting small you have to find your group of people now do you decide that you're going to find your group of people first or you already have the story done and like all right now it's time to go look for an artist or, or you have a special idea of what you have in mind when you started your projects I think it, it, it depends on the project I think for for first-time creators they should not worry about art they should just worry about hammering out a great script you know we're working on the story getting the script down the way they want it and then go and search for an art artist or an art team that can definitely bring that story to life the way you intended it's gonna i think by looking for an artist before you actually develop the story especially for your first time it's you're putting the cart before the horse and it's it's just gonna it's not gonna work it's not gonna work out and as an independent guy, it's also finances that you have to worry about when you're, when you're putting something like this together. So when you're, when you're making a, a story, I mean, obviously, it's easier because it's just words or images. It's not like you're making a movie where you have to think, well, this is going to cost this much and this is going to cost this much. But you still have a general idea of how much you have to put down to get your artists, to get your uh, pencilers, to get your colorists. Is that something also you think about as you're being an independent creator? Or you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to put it together get what I can get and keep on moving. I mean, that's definitely the, um, the push and pull as far as, as far as creating comics is that they're not cheap. They're expensive. And especially when people try making comics for the first time, they don't even realize how expensive it is until they, they start to, to get into the process. And it's like anything else. The, the, the cheaper is not always better. So if people want a great art team. It's going to be more expensive. If people want a, a cheaper art team, I mean, you could get your book created, but then I might not be up to the, the quality that, you want and in that regard kickstarter has really been a godsend to the comic community in i would say in recent years some of the kickstarter category categories have been going down a little bit as far as total funding but kicks but comics category is the only one that's been steadily rising and i think it's in second place now behind like dance or something so uh yeah kickstarter and comics really go together well it's got a strong community and i know a lot of um Big time superstar creators. They're like, back in my day, I wish I had Kickstarter. I mean, <laughs> my, my Kickstarter back then was a high interest credit card. So, 
so it's it's definitely been awesome as far as me and a, and a bunch of indie creators I know to get financing to really get these projects off the ground. Now with Kickstarter, you have like a deals and perks, right? So if you reach certain levels. Yeah, so Kickstarter is cool. A lot of people are, are confused about how Kickstarter essentially works. Pretty much the way it is, it's you got to think of it like pre-ordering. You're basically pre-ordering a product. Sometimes that product is just in development stage. Sometimes the product is actually finished and just needs to be printed. As far as like uh, Macabre Motel, the book that I sent you, that's done. I mean, it's all finished. I need, I just need to print the sucker. So, um, so yeah, and then on top of that, you can bundle together other stuff. Like for instance, I have the one of the the rewards that's available is an art commission for the art team. There, I have a variant cover that you could throw in. I got it, and also a an hollow foil cover, and then I got I put them all together in a bundle. So you got options as far as what you can get, and it's it's kind of like a launch party. It's just a way to get people excited about the product. And it is important to note that the book is done. <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm, I mean, all comic creators are different. And a lot of, sometimes a lot of people get sour with Kickstarter because they had a bad experience. But every creator is different. Uh, for me personally, I need a book either 95% finished or 100% finished before I bring it to Kickstarter. Because I want people to know, look, I'm, I'm serious about what I'm doing. I'm not going to make you wait. I'm not going to make you uh, uh, spend your hard-earned money on this book and you're going to have to wait a year for it because I there are some books that I'm still waiting on that's been a really long time. I like to just a quick wham-bam. I like to, to finish the campaign, get it printed, send it out to people in at least, at least two months. You know, I'm not going to make them wait. So I have to ask this because we are in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, Shoot. <laughs> when, when you are sending that stuff out, like how, uh, I guess, COVID-friendly is it? What's, I don't even know what the term is. Uh, I mean, what, what do you mean as far as packaging is concerned? Yeah, like is it like a certain process to make sure that, you know, you won't get anything? Like is that even a consideration on how these things are made? So <laughs> my last campaign was in April. As far as getting the book finished and, I mean, and sending out, there really wasn't that much delay or change in process, at least for me personally. Uh, I've heard people have – their printers have had delays depending on where the, the printer is. I've heard they've had absolute nightmares with the postal service. Yeah. So I was very concerned during the summer sending out my books. I thought that they were going to take forever and I was keeping my eye on the tracking. And luckily it didn't seem like they were affected too much. Okay. But I've, I've known some people in California that they dropped off their books and they just sat in the post office for over a week. They didn't even get them out. Wow. So it was, so, yeah, so I've heard, <laughs> I've heard some horror stories, but from my end, I, I didn't really experience any of that. All right, so knock on wood that we'll keep on that trend. Yeah, yeah. but it, I mean, for, for comics as a whole, I would say, and I don't got to tell you this because we met at a con, it's been completely wiped out. I mean, they've canceled everything, and that's, yeah. that's a huge source of income for so many creators, and it's just been uh, sent right to zero. So it's, yeah, the comic in industry has definitely taken a hit. So we got about five minutes left, so let's hit all the uh, social media stuff where can people find out more about the book with the Kickstarter, what's the name of your website, all that fun stuff. All right, so um, the name of the book is The Macabre Motel. It's on Kickstarter. You can find it by uh, searching Macabre Motel or maybe the motel in comics. It'll come right up. Uh, me, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under the handle at FrankTheWriter on all of them. It's kind of easy. And my website, too, is FrankTheWriter.com. So you can sign up on my mailing list on the website. I got a bunch of free comics, free short stories, and that's kind of the best way to, to keep track of me. And you can also sample it because like you just mentioned, there's a lot of free stuff on there. So if you see what you yeah. like, go to the Kickstarter and pick up the book. 
Absolutely. I would appreciate it. So now I have to ask, like, were you thinking ahead of time about having Frank the Writer as your website? Like, thank God no one else has that <laughs> title. I mean, at some point in time, when I was first writing, it was just kind of me. And then I, when you, as an indie creator, you learn the hard way that you were going to be the main person. You were your biggest salesperson. You were the main one responsible. So uh, a couple years into my, my writing career, I decided I was going to take up the moniker Frank the Writer. And I was lucky. I got it on Instagram. I got it on Twitter. And I got it on, on, on a website, too. Um, but there was a, there was a Frank the writer on Facebook. He already somebody already snagged it. Uh, but I heard on Facebook that if somebody's inactive on their page for something like a year or so, uh, you can contact Facebook and maybe they'll steal it. And and I got lucky. They listened to me and they said, Yeah, you're you're a lot more active than this guy. We're gonna give it to you. So I kind of I snatched Frank the writer away from somebody. Well, nicely done. Um, <laughs> so um, I, before we do our final thought, just any. Well, words of advice or um, encouragement you can give for people in this time doing, trying to have their own comic book in this industry right now? Uh, just keep writing, you know? It's, it's easy to think about what you want to do and the day in and day out, just kind of try to plan, but it's never going to happen if you don't actually put the words down, you know, just, just get writing and just, and just keep it in, uh, do a little bit every day, get that momentum going and get out of your headspace of, of when it's going to happen and just make it happen now. All right. So we're now at our final thoughts. So, um, I'm going to go first. Usually I let the guests go first, but I'm going to go first. And my final thought, um, I actually, it was really cool meeting you when I met you almost a year ago. Um, you had a lot of stuff on there and a lot of interesting ideas about what I flipped through at the time. And then when I read this, the show, the comic book that's on Kickstarter, I was like, Hey, this is pretty decent, pretty darn good. I'm glad I met this guy. So I want to wish you much continued success, much continued success with this, with this Kickstarter. And when you have anything else you want to promote, feel free to come back on the show. Oh, so, I, I final, appreciate that, Mark. Final thought for you, Frank. What's, what do you have for us? I'm going to actually combine into your final thought and say that um, – when I, I heard about your radio show, I definitely wanted to come on. I was, ha I was really looking forward to doing it in person. And it turns out that the universe had other plans. But um, I'm definitely glad that we got to, to hook up and make it do, uh, happen another way. And hopefully in the future, when this, this is all said and done, I could definitely come back on the radio and we could see each other in person and, and do it the way it's supposed to be done. Yes, sir. All right. So that is it for the interview. We're going to take our break and we'll be right back with It Came From The Radio. <laughs> hey kids, this is CJ Ramon of the world famous Ramones and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hi, this is Sherilyn Fenn, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics...
Comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano, and it is once again time for... My Comic Book Pick of the Week. So this week's Pick of the Week is going to have to be short and sweet, and to that end, I'm going to get right to it. The Pick of the Week is Morning Glories by Image Comics, and as I've said before, nothing is quite as independent of a comic book as Image Comics. They are the first great big independent comic book publisher out there. Morning Glories is a great, great series. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. Here's what they say about it on Wikipedia. Morning Glories is a comic book series published by Image Comics, described by writer Nick Spencer as Runaways Meets Lost. The series focuses on six brilliant but troubled new recruits at Morning Glory Academy, a prestigious prep school hiding sinister and deadly secrets, featuring interior art by Joe Esima and cover art by Rodin Esquejo. I hope I said that correctly. The series debuted in August of 2010. Currently, it's on a hiatus. They've done about 50 issues, and who knows when they're going to come back, but supposedly it should wrap up with another 50. There's about 10 volumes that you can go out there and get right now. Now, here's the premise of the book. The series takes place almost completely at the fictional Morning Glory Academy, an exclusive boarding school for teenagers. Beneath its placid facade, the school is actually involved in the murder and torture of students as well as various investigations into occult and supernatural phenomena. The main action focuses on six students from diverse backgrounds as they enter Morning Glory Academy, try to survive, and fight back against the ruthless faculty. The series is written using a non-linear narrative, frequently utilizing flashbacks or flash-forwards to confuse, misdirect, and inform the reader. Prominent recurring themes including religion, philosophy, science, identity, power, death, and authoritarianism. The series also includes science fiction elements, primarily time travel. And I can say that's a really good and accurate way of describing the series. What I, I always love, nonlinear um, stories that can bounce around and make you kind of guess and figure out and, and, and keep you on your toes. And that's why I recommended it. Plus, with the occult and the supernatural and now being October, if you're looking for something a little creepy, a little freaky, it's a good way to start um, getting into the Halloween spooky feeling of it all. You can get the book, uh, obviously, anywhere online, Amazon and so forth, or I always recommend going directly to Image Comics and buying it directly from them. They have all ten of the trade paperbacks that you can get um, right off the site. You can also get loose issues if you're interested in that as well. From Image Comics, just another uh, summation. Morning Glory Academy is one of the most pre prestigious prep schools in the country, but behind its hallowed doors, something sinister and deadly lurks. When six brilliant but troubled new students arrive, they find themselves trapped and desperately seeking answers in a place where nothing is what it seems to be. 
Now, this book was a pretty big hit when it came out between 2010 and 2017, so I do really, really recommend it. From everything that I've read of the book and from reading the book, I'm going to tell you, you're, you're going to enjoy it. If you like movies, well, like if you like TV shows like Lost and you like movies like Pulp Fiction, that it's not a cr straight, easy-to-understand story, and it makes you think a little bit. This is going to be the kind of comic that you're going to want to read. And again, at 50 issues, 10 volumes, you're going, if you don't like the first one, you, you know, that's it. But you're going to have plenty of reading material, especially as we get into October and we get into the spooky month of the year. So that's this week's pick of the week, Morning Glories. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's pick. Please remember you can go and check out my own personal webcomic at fishysarcasm.com. You can become a Patreon of the comic. It's only $1 a month. It's the least expensive Patreon out there. I promise you that. Also, please go and check out prontocomics.com. We have plenty of comics for download. And always remember... Logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So be safe and be healthy. Take care. I'm Nathan Booth from Ben and Apple TV, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on It Came From The Radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show... Lucky stars for not losing an hour of your life. Go to Listen to the archives, which will be up in a week or so. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a YouTube page. Also, check us out on btdradio.com. And we'll see you next week. And remember, if you're not laughing, you're not living. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.